I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi. And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Morning. This podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences, and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Shadow Rising, please proceed with caution. But if they can see, they can hear as well. You have made a place in my heart where I thought there was no room for anything else. You have made flowers grow where I cultivated dust and stones. Remember this on this journey you insist on making. If you die, I will not survive you long. He gave Nynaeve one of his rare smiles. If it did not exactly soften his face, at least it made it less hard. And remember also, I am not so easily commanded, even with letters from the Amerlin. He made an elegant bow. For a moment, Elaine thought he actually meant to kneel and kiss Nynaeve's great serpent ring. As you command, he murmured, so do I obey. It was difficult to tell whether he meant it to be mocking or not. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will dive in and discuss chapters 11 through 17 of The Shadow Rising. Note, I have not read past chapter 17, and Will is going to do his best not to bring anything from the rest of The Shadow Rising or the next 10 books in during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 17, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read them. Chapter summaries, as always, from dragonmount.com. Egwene enters Tel Aran Riyadh to explore Tanchico, but finds herself pulled into the Aiel Waste by stray thoughts of finding a teacher. The wise one, Amis, tells Egwene to come to Cold Rock's hold. Egwene questions Abienda about Amis. They discuss sister wives, then learn that the Black Aja prisoners are dead. Moraine has received a letter for Avienda, who must journey to Roydian. Elaine and Nynaeve will go to Tenchiko alone. Matt hears a rumor about white cloaks in the two rivers. He talks to Perrin, who is packing for home already, but Matt still can't make himself leave Tyr. They say their farewells. Barrelaine, giving up on Rand, flirts with Perrin. Perrin tells Fael he is going home to die and that he will not take her with him. Fael confronts Barrelaine, threatens her, and only avoids a duel through Ruark's intervention. Matt steps through the doorframe Turangriol and is told by the Aelfin that he must go to Roydian or die. He is hurried out and finds that Rand and Moraine were also inside. They've refused to share their answers. Perrin approaches Loyal about taking him home via the ways, but finds Fael there before him. Fael has made Loyal promise to take her through the ways before anyone else. Lan confronts Nynaeve about her plans to travel to Tanjiko, then offers to leave Moraine and come with her. Nynaeve sends him away. Moraine approaches Tom about accompanying Elaine to Tanchico and offers to tell him which Red Aja sisters gentled his nephew. Gawain tries to get Min to talk Galad out of joining the White Cloaks. She chews him out for nearly blowing her cover. Swan Sanche learns that Rand has taken Kalimdor. For a section with little to no action, a whole hell of a lot happens. This section went hard. It really did. We we got, we see some things that we wanted to see earlier. Yes, and it wasn't just like a, oh, Loyal's on the page, and oh, like, Lan and Nynaeve are actually in the same room finally. No, it went hard. We get good Loyal, we get good Lanaeve. Yeah. I'm a fan. And we get World of Dreams stuff and a Turangriol. Yes, we get the genie Turangriol, as yes, I've been calling it. which is one of the more fascinating parts of the Wheel of Time as a whole. This whole alternate dimension place. We'll get to it. Yeah. There's there's a, a, quite a fair amount to unpack there. Yeah. But there's... let's start with the Egwene stuff. The world of dreams. Yep. 
she manages to get to Teleron Riyadh without the ring. She does. Um, kind of leaning on her innate talents as a dreamer. She does have Elaine, Nynaeve, and Avienda watching over her, which is, you know, probably a good idea. Yeah, probably. And Seeing as there was literally just a battle. Yes. And uh, they're using the world of dreams the same way that they've been using it the whole time, which is to scout for things. Specifically, they're looking to kind of confirm the rumors that their captors were trying to spread. Like, you know, the stuff about Mazrum Time or... Tanchico, and really they're focusing on the Tanchico stuff. Yeah, and Elaine, or Egwene, is also, like, she's trying to get to Tanchico in the dream world. Yes. She is ultimately successful and kind of blinks herself into the Panarch's palace. Yes. Which seems to have, like, a giant museum in it. Yeah. With a bunch of stuff. Lots of bones. Lots of bones. Lots of random broken artifacts. Yup. Some very, very old stuff, or very new stuff, depending on who you are. <laughs> there is a... So the first thing that they kind of describe is what looks... What to them looks like some sort of giant skull with four eyes. But then Egwene gets closer to it and realizes, oh, those, those second eye sockets aren't eye sockets, but maybe some sort of tusk? Maybe this is some sort of large animal with tusks? Like a boar, but maybe not a boar. Or maybe, you know, an elephant. Yeah. Um, it's definitely an elephant. Did uh, not catch that first time. You no, know, it's wild. What you what this has like some stuff that's really easy to miss. Like the giraffe. There's also a giraffe. There's a large animal with a neck so tall that it basically reaches the ceiling. Yeah, they have a giraffe skeleton at yep. the Panarch's Palace. Apparently. And they also have a Mitsubishi hood ornament. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just such a weird ass detail. Like one, why didn't you pick Mitsubishi? And who knows? Apparently, he has not. Robert Jordan had not a great opinion of people who drove Mitsubishis either, because he says that the hood ornament gives, like, from like ten paces away, gives off an aura of vanity. Yeah. <laughs> Which I've never heard. Like, if it had been like any other car, like I guess a Tesla or an equivalent when this was written in the 90s. I don't know. I don't know what, what it would have been in the 90s. Probably like a BMW or something. Yeah, probably. Don't at me, BMW owners. <laughs> but I, like, I know nothing about cars. I don't know anything about cars either. I just did never... I don't even know how to drive one. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so she finds a couple of other things. There's uh, some sort of like... It's like a necklace with two bands that seems to give off pain. She's like picking up on vibes on these things. And the the necklace with two bands gives off real bad vibes. Yeah. And then there's like a fractured, shattered, partial statuette that seems to be a Turing Grail. And she touches it and she gets like a flood of power, but also it hurts. And it's also really familiar to her. She doesn't know why. I don't know why this would be familiar to her either. But she just... Ooh, I actually do know why it would be familiar to her. Never mind. I figured you did. That is the point of the series. <laughs> I forgot for a moment about something. This is not the first time we've seen something like this. The crystal sphere in a person's hand? Yeah. Well, the the big the big dude. There's a big dude. And I yeah. feel like this is just like a mini version of the big dude. That's a relatively fair assumption. Anyway, while she's there, she also has kind of 
straying thoughts. She's trying to think, like, she, the whole time she's there, she's thinking, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I need somebody to teach me how to do this. I hear that the Aiel know stuff about the dream world, and then she just keeps, like, pulling herself back to the waste. Yeah, she keeps popping into the Aiel waste, and she's like, no, it's not what I'm supposed to be doing. And the last time that she does it, she, like, pops up into the waste in the middle of this, like, simulated hunt. Yeah, it's a dream. Like, she, as she's going through Tanchico, she's seeing people who keep popping into Tanchico for dreams. Like, she sees some guy falling, 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 and then right before he hits the ground, he disappears. Yeah. Like. Which, lucky him. And also, like, I've, everyone's had that dream where they're just falling and falling and falling until they wake up. Right. So. At least nobody seems to hit the ground often. Yeah. Because according to this, they'd die. Yeah. I don't know if they would die if it's, like, just a regular dream, or if they manage to get into Teleron Riyadh, Ex- then it becomes... Explicitly, they don't die in regular dreams. Okay. If it happens in Teleron Riyadh, though, it, it's real enough to where they die. And there was, like, a mention that people who die in their sleep often died in their dreams in Teleron yeah. Riyadh, which is an interesting little... It is. Yeah. But so she gets in the middle of this hunt, and the person that she sees hunting is dressed in, like, Aiel warrior garb. Yeah, it's a maiden of the spear. Yeah, it's a maiden of the spear. She's dressed in the cotton sore, um, which I don't know that we actually have learned all that much about the cotton sore yet. No, this is the first time it had, I feel like it's been named. It's what they were. Um, and she, like, copies her for a moment, and she kind of takes this this wise one, Emmys. By surprise, a little bit. Yeah. But not not like a not a huge amount. She's mostly just surprised that oh, this isn't just a random dreaming person. This is a real person. Right, because Emise is able to make Igwe naked when she's like, "You don't deserve to wear that." Right. It, it's very much where we get into this is the like introduction of oh yes, Egwene and Elaine and Nynaeve are really out of their depths. In yeah. the world of the dreams. Like, before, they just really didn't know what they were doing. But they were also going up against members of the Black Aja who were similarly unrefined in the ways of this world. Amis is able to basically just do whatever the fuck she wants to uh, Egwene. And Egwene, in true Egwene fashion, only needs to see something once before she knows how to do it. And then is able to do it right back. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh... She also sees Brigitte, or what she Brigitte. thinks is Brigitte. Yeah. Um, as she leaves the waste for the last time before getting back to Tanchico. Yeah. Uh, she decides to, like, flee from this woman in the waste. I mean, yeah. And she blinks herself back, but she does think she sees Brigitte before she goes back. And the wise one follows her back to Tanchico. Yeah. She, like, flies, or Egwene's, like, fall, flying around in Tanchico, and then... She sees Amise, and they have a conversation. Amise basically is like, you're a child here. Please come let us train you. Yeah. She tells her to go to the Threefold Land for lessons. Yep. Specifically to Cold Rock's Hold, which is just where she lives. Yeah. She's like, I'm in somewhere else right now, yep. but I will be able to meet you there She's by the time Rodion. you get there. She's in Rodion right now. Which is a place that is brought up multiple times. Yes, in that the rest is of this section. the theme of this se- section. Um, the other thing that she says is that if she says that, you know, she says, I'm a, I'm an Aes Sedai, my name is Egwene, 
She sews her ring and says that Amis has summoned her to Cold Rock's hold. She'll be able to go anywhere in the waste easily. Yeah. Some Aiel customs going on there that we don't know about. It's also interesting when Egwene introduces herself, she introduces herself as Green Aja. Yeah. Which I feel like is, uh, like, Egwene has some some learning to do with the way of Aes Sedai lying. She didn't want to lie, but there's an easy way to say basically the same thing without lying. She says she's an Aes Sedai and that she's of the Green Aja, and she could just say, I am from the Tower. Yeah, she hasn't figured out how to do this. She's like, I don't want to lie, and then immediately lies. Right, which, you know, she's learning. That's fine. She's been at this for, like, what, a year at most? Yeah. Like, she'll get better. She will. So, But then she wakes up, and when she wakes up, we realize that she's been, she was supposed to have only been there for an hour, and the others in the room were going to wake her up after that hour, uh, but they, she, they couldn't wake her up. They kind of were worried that she was going to get stuck. Yeah, and she plays it off as just, like, there was a reason for me to stay. Right. And it might have been that Emmys was holding her there, but I'm It might have really been. Sure. I, I think it was more that Elaine was a bit too invested in what was happening to wake up. Yeah, that's also possible. So, uh, but then we shift to Elaine's perspective, and we get some interesting things while in Elaine's perspective. We get all of the interactions that happen after this are from Elaine's perspective, even when we come back to the group after. Yeah, when she wakes up, it's in Elaine's perspective. Yeah. Um, So we learn that Amis was a maiden, uh, but she gave it up to become a wise one. She's She's... married to Ruark. Yep. Uh, Which tracks, honestly. Yeah. It takes, you know, it's kind of like two rivers women. It takes someone real strong to be married to Ruark. Yeah. And someone, like, very self-possessed. Yeah. Because Ruark isn't going to settle... For this, like, wishy-washy, oh, I don't know what I want crap. And Avienda basically says as much. She's like, they're the only ones who can temper each other. Right. Which... She's like, I do not like Mies. From what we've seen of Amis, that's that definitely would that, probably that be tracks. true. And she is more familiar with Amis because Amis is sister wives with Avienda's aunt. Yep. We get, like, a little bit more Aiel polyamory stuff here. I do just love Avienda's take on sister wives. Yeah. Why would you let a man come between you? She's like, yeah. Like, she's like, what would you have done if, to Egwene and Elaine, it's like, what would you have done if Egwene hadn't decided to step back? Would you have let Rand come between you? You're basically first sisters. No, you just both marry him. And Elaine's just like, can I? That's an option. That's an (laughs) option. Hmm. And she's also like, well, I guess, yeah, men had that vision that I'm going to have to share my husband with two other women. So, like. Yeah. And Rand's basically Aiel. Yeah. So. It wouldn't be weird for half of his family. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, one thing that I. So, a couple of things about Aiel culture here that I think are really interesting. First off, I think an, an improvement change. I, I don't know if it's an improvement or a change or. It's definitely a change. Don't know if it is straight up an improvement or just something different. I kind of want the show to do like brother husbands, not just sister wives. Yeah, I think it would be an a modernization. Yeah. And they've made a couple of those already. And like yeah. that the Dragon Reborn could have been a woman. There were a couple yeah. of other things that kind of updated it to modern times. 
Yeah. And this could be one of those. And I think, so, I mean, credit to the Wheel of Time here, it doesn't feel like an, so far, maybe it will later, it doesn't feel like an icky, oh man, men can have multiple wives thing. Because, like, it, it's very much the agency for being sister wives is still on the women, not on the men. It's almost like the men don't have a say in getting a sister wife. Yeah. Or in, in having multiple wives. Like, if he wants to marry one of them, he's got to marry both of them. Right, because the women propose in Aiel Yes, that's society. the other thing. So it's not that, like, oh, this man gets to choose to have a bunch of wives and the wives don't have any say in it. It's that, like, these women are choosing. They're talking to each other, like, hey... I want to marry him. You want to marry him too? Well, let's both propose. All right, let's go. And if he wants to marry one of them, he has to marry both. But he could choose, like, no, I only want one wife. Or I don't want to marry, like, I don't mind having multiple wives, but I don't want it to be you two. So. Right. He, like, there's choices. Yeah. I I just want to see that fully fleshed out. Right. I want to see a woman decide, hey, I'll marry, I'll marry two dudes. That's fine. Yeah. And like. I just wonder, like, how many weird little, like, or how many different ways that can separate, too. If it goes both ways, can, like, a brother, like, can a guy be married to multiple women and that have that and have a brother husband, too? Like, how many little polycules are we doing here? I don't know. It would be a cool, it would be an interesting way to explore that. It would be, definitely. Different relationships in polyamory. Not everyone's all involved in everyone in a polycule. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. No, the Aiel are fascinating. And part of why I think that this book is generally well regarded in in the in the grand scope of the Wheel of Time is because we this is where we get to experience like the full, like absolute full depth of Robert Jordan's world building. Where like it feels like these are authentic cultures that are different than what we might experience as Americans. Yeah, and It differs in the world building from the other three books in that this is world building around people, not magic and and locations and lore. And that kind of world building can get a little bit dense when it's info dumped in a big paragraph. Like we had we had a big, long paragraph kind of info dumping about and recapping how the Aiel call each other. In yeah. familial relations, like they don't use the word aunt or sister or cousin. They use first sister, second sister. Yeah. And there's like this big, long paragraph about it. But it didn't feel like, oh, gosh, why are we having an info dump paragraph about this? Like, right. this is about some like lore that I don't understand. Like, the like, do I love the Moraine listen up you backwards fuckers <laughs> speech? Yes. But did I actually pay attention to what she was saying? No, I didn't have any connection to it. Yeah. Totally I didn't find fair. it as fascinating because it wasn't, it didn't have any, like, why, why are we learning about this? Yeah. We are learning about how the IEL function because it might come into play later. Yep. It's just easier to. Yeah, it's definitely, and I think part of it here is that we've kind of reached a point of base level understanding in the world in this book to where those info dumped paragraphs can build on things that have happened previously. Yeah. And so they're much more connected to what's actually happening than setting up things that are actually happening. And I don't really mind info dump or long paragraphs of inner monologue if it's to do with character development. That might just be because that's the type of book that I tend to gravitate towards. It's why I read romance. It's 
tends to be more character driven than fantasy, which is more plot driven. Yeah. Well, all of that is why, and I think this section illustrates it very well. I think that this book will be more enjoyable even than the past three, because really this section is all about the characters and, and what they're what they're doing and what they're going through. Yeah, it definitely feels more connected to like the two feel intertwined. Whereas in books one and two, it was like, okay, this is plot and there's some character development that is connected to it, but they felt a little bit separate. Then there was book three, which just kind of felt like, hey, there's some plot. Hey, there's some character development. They're in separate rooms. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And even here, the the Matt stuff with the doorway feels very personal to him as a character. It, like, it's, it's plot, right? It's talking about what he's going to do in the future. But it's also very Matt because he walks in with a plan. Yeah. He's like, I have three questions I'm going to ask. And then the first question completely derails <laughs> him. And he just keeps asking questions. And technically, he asks four and they answer all four. He fucking cheats because he he's Matt. <laughs> they let him, I guess. But yeah, he's kind of the epitome of um, that thing in Legends. It's like, come up with the plan. Execute the plan. Expect the plan to go off the rails. Throw, throw out, out the, the plan. plan. Yeah. <laughs> that is Matt. Yes. He is Captain Cold. Yes, absolutely. Is that who he would be in the DC universe? He might be. Because he, he's could, also got like the bi energy and Captain also, Cold has the bi energy. I also and... see him being a very good Barry Allen. Yeah, I could see that too. That yeah. is a not what this podcast is about. No, and we're not even done talking about the Elaine stuff. No. Or at least this portion of the Elaine stuff because it comes back up. The last thing that happens is Moraine walks in. She just kind of walks in. Yeah. Does not even knock. Walks she's in, just like, starts talking. It's like, Joy and Amica are dead. Avienda, you're being summoned to Rodian. And <laughs> she basically leaves. And the, Egwene was already like, I'm going to go to the waste. Avienda, you should come with me. And Avienda's like, I do not want to go see Amis. Can you please take someone else? And then Moraine walks in. It's like, nope, nope. you're going to Rodian. She's like, God damn it. The wise ones want something with Avienda. It's like a huge list of wise women and dream walkers. Yeah. Are like, we are summoning you. And she's like, I am a maiden of the spear. I do not have to do shit. And she's like, they told Ruark. She's like, damn it. <laughs> she just walks out like muttering, I'm a maiden of the spear. Pretty much. <laughs> she's not happy about it. So she's she's going. There's at least a small party of people going to the Waste. So far, it is Moraine, who was also uh, much more gently requested, but still f- quite firmly requested Egwene and Avienda. Oh, so Moraine is going as well? Yeah. Okay. I hadn't. I'm got... pretty sure it said that Moraine is going. No, I think they just sent the letter to Moraine. They said that they wanted to talk to Moraine as well. Oh, I guess that might be why later when Moraine's, like, trying to get rid of Tom is so that she can convince Rand to go with her. Because Moraine doesn't want to leave Rand out of her sight. No, because why would she? No. But there's stuff in the... I mean, I think Rand should go into the Iowa Waste, so... Maybe. I think that's what his character needs to do now, so... Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, This is the part of the book... Part of the series that my mother does not like, where they spend a long time in the desert. <laughs> okay, like, I, yes, I've heard your mom talk about this. It cannot be worse than Sookie continuously painting her toenails no. for three books in the Sookie Stackhouse series. There is definitely an equivalent of that in the, in the, in the slog, uh, where a certain character takes a few too many baths 
but it's no my mother's disdain for this portion of the series is uh, a bit overstated yeah because i'm she's also read the sookie stackhouse series i'm like on a scale of one to sookie painting her toenails how bad is it (laughs) and she's like i don't know (laughs) it's been a while since he's read that yeah but it's yeah it's my i mean it's been a while since i've read that too but it it stood out i don't think you'll mind this probably not there's a lot of stuff here and i tend to like the aiel so they're very cool now let's talk about matt matt matt's having a bad time Matt's having a bad time he killed a gray man he did and then was attacked by a during the during the siege was attacked Bell by a fade. Was by a fade, but then it was killed by Trollocs. And the fade talked to him, and we don't normally hear the fades talking. They don't. They're not talkative people. No, Dave Murdral. doesn't talk a whole lot. No, all they the, did. All the Murdrawler, Dave. They did call him Horn Sounder. Yes. So they know he blew the horn. Yes, they do. Which is kind of disturbing information. Yes, a little bit. Not a ton of people know that. Yeah, everyone thinks it's Rand. Yep. But yeah, Matt Matt spends some time hanging out in a tavern, and then he, he learns, learns there two things. He learns that everyone thinks that Rand is a false dragon, Which, even though it's been proved. Like sure. he has Kalindor. Right. Like you've seen him. I understand when Gawain thinks that Rand is a false dragon, but like you are in tier. How dumb are you? <laughs> That's basically Matt's. Like you are here. How dumb are you? Right. And then he, well, they also don't know that the stone was attacked. The, the common folk don't know that the stone was attacked. The first time or the second time? The second time. Okay. Like, they don't know that Trollocs got into the stone. Which, like, how did they get there? Through the port. The stone and has the, the, the still. How did they get there? Yeah. Well, Tom talks about that later. Yeah, Tom's on, Tom's on a quest to figure that out. And then Matt also learns that there are white cloaks hunting the Dragon Reborn and Perrin in the Two Rivers. But not him. But not him. Because he's lucky. Because, well, he's lucky and he's done, honestly, of the boys, the least overly notable stuff, aside from Blow the Horn. And no one knows he did that. Except for, apparently, Dave. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, we know why they're going after Perrin. Because they killed a bunch of white cloaks. Yeah, Perrin Perrin murderized some white cloaks. Self-defensifized. They think he murdered them. And honestly, the self-defense thing would be, is kind of flimsy for the world of people where it was a wolf. Like, I mean, to him, real person. Yeah. But to people who can't talk to wolves and don't think wolves can talk. Yeah. Self, I don't know that to the average person who doesn't know of the existence at all of wolf brothers, let alone believe in them that that would rise to the level of self-defense. Yeah, because, I mean, self-defense does also encompass defense of others. Right. Which he was, defending the wolves. Yeah. But... But Yeah, so the White Cloaks are in the two rivers. They're hunting down uh, the Dragon Reborn, of course, there, and Perrin, who they think is a a murderer, and a dark dark friend, Shadow Spawn. Some combination Uh, of the two. Some combination of the two, depends, because they're, like, guy with yellow eyes. Yeah. Matt goes to talk to Perrin, because... Of course he does. And Perrin is packing. Yep. He gets there. Perrin is, like, almost entirely packed, getting ready to leave that night for the two rivers. Via the ways was loyal. No, he's, he's planning on leaving the next morning. I, th- I read that as he adjusted his plans after Barrelane. No, because he's like, I don't want to... 
I want to give Loyal a night to sleep. Mm, right, right, right. So he's like, I am packing. I am leaving out clothes to wear tomorrow, and then I'm going to sleep. And then he does not sleep. Very sensible. Very sensible. You always got to leave clothes that you're wearing the night. You pack the night before, and you leave the clothes out that you're going to wear. Yeah. But yeah, Perrin is packing, um, which is a fun alliteration. And he kind of feels... I didn't read read it necessarily this way, but Matt still can't bring himself to even say the words, I need to go. He's like, you don't feel anything keeping you here? He's like, yeah, I feel it, but it's more important to go back home. So clearly whatever it is is stronger for Matt. I didn't read that as a Taviran pull for Perrin. I read that as a logical, like... Perrin wants to be there for all of these other reasons. No, he doesn't. He because he keeps trying to figure out a way to leave and also get. But it's Perrin. It's it's a it's a man from the two rivers. He's gonna feel conflicted about wanting things. That's true. But he, yeah, he is capable of entertaining the thought about leaving, which to me is not like that. That's like his Taviran nature is not pulling him to keep around Rand, where for Matt it is. Although theory, whatever, like, it could have been that their Tavir in nature, it wasn't Rand's Tavir in nature, it was their own Tavir in nature keeping them in tear until there was a reason, until their actual reason to leave came up. I, I think so, I agree, yeah. And so Perrin was, you know, he was supposed to stay in tear until he heard the news about the two rivers and because he needs to be in the two rivers. And so his Taviranness kept him in tear until he heard the news and then yeah, sent him off him to the and it's rivers. pulling him to the two rivers. Matt is kept in the two in tear until he learns that he has to go to Roydian yeah. and has a reason to go to Roydian. And I think he's probably going to go with Wayne. I, yeah. I, and so I think that now that they know where they're supposed to be, They'll have a little bit of They'll easier have a time. Little, that's why Perrin's having an easier time is because he's supposed to be in the two rivers. Yeah. But if he'd tried to leave before, he would have just been like, I don't know where I'm going. I'm getting out of here, though. I, yeah, I completely agree with everything you've said. I, I think that is uh, spot on. And I think you probably put it better than I would have. <laughs> so good job. Yay. <laughs> you, you we're four books into the Wheel of Time. You you did something better than me. That is fantastic. Yay. Um. I get a I'm supposed up, to be the expert here. No, <laughs> give me my job back. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, Matt, after talking to Perrin, decides, I'm going to go through the doorway. And he does. Yep. He walks past Berylaine, though, who he does try to flirt with. And she's, like, not giving him the time day. The, the one man she's not going to flirt with. If she... only she knew. He's the better one to flirt with. He's got no attachments. Which I think also is maybe the worst. Like, he's also the, he would be the most receptive to her. And I think that is also why she doesn't. Because she's, like, too much like me. (laughs) Yep. That's what she was muttering as she walked away. And it's probably, oh, he likes to go after lots of people. I can't be one of his people. Yep. Because she throws herself at Perrin. Yep. Like, not as dramatically as she throws herself at Rand, because she basically strips for Rand. Yeah. She is wearing something very revealing for Perrin. But she's always wearing something revealing. Right. That's why no one likes her. Yeah. I think it's it's, which, got, like, it's a little bit more than that. Which is, it's, like, I don't, I'm not loving the slut shaming against Berlaine. Like, I think not it's, loving it. I, I think it's more that, I, I mean, I agree. I think it is a little bit more that, she 
actively uses it to manipulate people, and so people don't feel like they can trust her. But the undercurrent is still there. Even if she wasn't, if she was just having a good old time because she likes being with people, she the the sentiment would be the same. So it's yeah. rooted in slut shaming, and I'm not Absolutely. a fan. Yeah, but you know, it's there's got to be some misogyny in this world, right? I guess. I mean, explicitly, I think Berylene is a commentary on it because she is the woman head of state for a small vassal state to tier. Well, and I think it's the guys don't really pay attention much. They're like, oh, gosh, she's always wearing something revealing. And they're like, I don't they're not hating on her because of it. They're just like, I am flustered because of her. I need to not be around her. And it's Elaine and Egwene that are like, I hate her. Right. Why does she keep wearing something revealing? And so I think it's interesting that even in this world where there's kind of a matriarchy, there is still internal like patriarchal thoughts. Yeah. And inherent misogyny well, even within women yeah and i i have to think that that's partially because somebody from our world wrote it yeah which <laughs> women can hate on women that's why slut most of slut shaming is done by women to other women so sure uh, i don't really i can't confirm or deny that that's fair i am not a woman i don't get slut shamed no you get applauded i, I mean but also do i no not Have you I ever? <laughs> I don't really get around. That's good I, I married because you're you. married. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she goes to Perrin and she tries to like get him to give Rand a message. She's very much using the fact that she wants to tell Rand that she's leaving as an excuse to like seduce Perrin. We can get into that. Let's yeah. like stick with the Matt. Yeah. Stuff. Matt beelines for the door. Turing Grill. Yep. He goes for the genie Turing Grill, as I've been calling it. And we, we learn at the, the tail end of this that Rand and Moraine went through it at the same time, which has apparently caused some strain. I feel like if it had just been Rand and Moraine, it would have been fine. It's just the fact that they were two Taviran. <sighs> well, so there's another aspect of this where I think any two of them, the, the best combination of two, if you're going to have a combination of two, is Moraine and Matt. Yeah. Rand on his own probably is a little bit of a strain. Yeah, because he's just so Taviran. He's so Taviran. But also, Moraine and Rand are channelers. Mm, Yeah. They carry a little bit more weight. And so them being in there, and then Matt goes in, and the door is just like, no. Yeah. Well, really, more specifically, the weird snake people in the door are like, no, uh uh-uh, get out. Because the whole place starts shaking, bells keep going off, like, yep. everything is going wonky, and they're like, you got to go. Yep. <laughs> the doctor's gone. And they basically, and, and there's some interesting stuff here. So when, when Matt first goes in, they check that he has not brought any, uh, like, sources of fire, no iron, or no musical instruments. Yeah. Specifically iron. He has a dagger. And the dagger is steel, and they don't care about that. Nope. It's iron, musical instruments, and lamps. Yeah. And they are clearly bound by some sort of bargain that Matt has also unwittingly bound himself to by entering. Because according to the agreement, they kept saying that. Right. According to the agreement. And at the tail end of this, when 
they're trying to get Matt to leave, they're like, ask your questions, ask your questions, ask your questions and leave. He can't ask them or he can't leave until he's asked his three questions. It feels like some sort of fey bargain just in the... 100%. Because the mentioning of iron and musical instruments Mm -hmm. are like... Fey lore, iron hurts Fey, so it feels like yeah. some sort of weird Fey this is bargain. The uh, Aelfin are very much a kind of twisting wheel of time glance at fairies. Um, as Matt comes in, it is not a simply connected world. They go around this spire, and he sees off in the distance through one of the windows, like three like silvery towers, and they go around. And he sees through a different window the same three towers. So they're going around in a spiral, and at different points in the spiral, he sees the same angle of those towers. Yeah, it's very weird. And everything is curves. There are no straight lines. Right. Except for, he, he says, except for the path that I'm following is a straight line, which is weird. Yeah. Because, like, how can there, if you're going in a spiral, how is it a straight line? If you're going in a spiral, how are you seeing the same angle? Weird fey nonsense. The, yes, weird fey nonsense. And he gets there and he, he gets to ask three questions. And He gets to ask four questions. Uh, he asks, I guess he, he asks four questions and gets six answers. Yeah, because he, like, I feel like asking, like, a asking the same question several times until you get an answer isn't more questions. Yeah. He kind of asks four questions. It's like, where should I go? Yeah. And then when they tell him that he needs to go to Roydy and he's like, why? And they're like, you'll die if you don't. It's like, why am I gonna die? Why am I gonna die? He's like, because pe- because your fate says that you have to go there, and he's like, but what is my fate? And then they answer that too. Yeah, uh, it is interesting that they specifically say if he sidesteps his fate, he'll die. Like he has an option to do that. I was a little bit confused with the whole fate stuff. So it kind of makes me wonder. So we saw the portal stones in. Book two and... Do we see them in book three? No, it's just book two. I don't know if we see the portal stones again, actually. But we see the portal stones in in book two. And, you know, those are all, like, different timelines. And I'm kind of wondering, like, is Matt only... Like, are we only seeing this one timeline and the other timelines exist? Like, does Matt sidestep his fate and die? And we're just... We're not looking at that one right now. I I didn't even think about that. I didn't... (laughs) I was confused as of, is his fate going to Roydian? And if he doesn't do that, he is sidestepping his fate and will die? Or is him not going to Roydian his fate? And if he, like, which is his fate? Oh, going to Roydian. Okay. And people, and so if he doesn't, people are after him because they don't want him to go to Roydian. And so those people will kill him. And that's why he would die if he doesn't go to Roydian. Is that what's happening? I think it's more that the way I read it is that that version of the pattern can't exist, right? If he doesn't go to Rodian, he'll die because that's not what the pattern intends for him to do. But there's a mention of people will kill you who don't want you don't want you to fulfill your fate. Well, I mean, there are people who want to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> They'll get to him if, if he doesn't go to Rodian. Okay. That's what I was asking. Yeah. Uh, and his fate is weird. Yes, three of them. Uh, weird ones. One of them is relatively simple. Marry the daughter of the nine moons. Who that is, he has no idea. No idea. Uh, die, he is fated to die and live again and live as 
part of one what once was. It's weirdly worded. And then he has he is fated to give up half the light of the world to save the world. Yep. What that means, I have no idea. Yep. Die and live again. He's going to die and then he's going to come back to life, even though magic can't do that. That's pretty. It's. Or he's going to. It's interesting. Or he's going to almost die, kind of like I guess Nynaeve did in the show, even though Egwene. She was straight up dead. <laughs> I. <laughs> let's not talk about Egwene and her magical healing ability. No, let's talk about it because. We just learned that the the, 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 the straight up that you straight up can't bring people back to life even with if, the source, yeah. No matter what, even not even the, the dragon, dragon reborn, reborn using so, Kalendor, not using Kalendor. So like, how the fuck was Gwen able to bring Nynaeve back from being crispified? It was it was bad. Uh, they they did not do that well. Is how. And so I'm going to guess that either Matt completely dies and there's some sort of shenanigans that brings him back to life that is not source related, or he's going to be crispified (laughs) and somehow Gwen's going to bring him back. Yeah. Okay. This is partially where I know too many things because of your cosplay. So I have some more suspicions that I will not mention. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Probably a good idea to not, because I'm going to hit you with a read and find out, which I think is the first of this season. No, it's not. It isn't? You said that like four times. Oh, man. I don't remember how often I say it. But read and find out. All of these are read and find out. They're prophecies in a book. Read and find out. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know who the daughter of the moon, nine moons is, but he's going to get, he's going to have a wife. He is, which is an interesting time. Yeah. He also... Right after Bear Lane, going backwards, he did think about seeking someone out for a cuddle. Who apparently nibbles at his ears in a great way. Yeah, apparently. (laughs) Didn't. That's some, uh, let's say, advanced cuddling. Yes. If if you're nibbling at someone's ears while cuddling. Listen, Robert Jordan, just say that they're fucking. cuddling going on. Just say that they're fucking. <laughs> no one believes that they're. No one believes that Matt is cuddling. Okay, <laughs> maybe after because he seems like a he seems like a postcoital cuddler. Yeah, a little cuddling, a little pillow. Until the morning when he sneaks away. Yeah, or he doesn't sneak away. I guess he does go back to people multiple times. Yeah, he's just like this was fun. I'll see it. I'll see you when I see you. Yeah. And they're like, okay, mm-hmm. it's fine. Because I feel like all these women that he's cuddling with ha- also have several cuddlers themselves. Maybe. I mean... kind of makes me wonder about like, what birth control and contraception is in The Wheel of Time. For Matt, it's nothing because lucky. Yeah, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like he's lucky enough to not get any girls pregnant, yeah. so it doesn't even matter. Not unless he wants to or needs to. Yeah. So, like, no accidental... His trope is definitely not accidental pregnancy. No. He would accidentally get married, though. That's fair. Do you think he's going to accidentally marry the daughter of the nine moons? No, this is just the <laughs> this is just the witch trope. Is Matt? Okay. Absolutely, he gets drunk and gets married. Okay. Cool. But that's because the pattern dictates that he must marry. That maybe, yeah, maybe he does get accidentally married to the daughter of the nine moons. We don't know who she is. Maybe he asks a question that he should not have asked because he's done it before. Yep. When he wanted to play the maiden's kiss, and then he's going to end up married. <laughs> Maybe that's how you marry a maiden somehow. You have to marry all the maidens. Not all of them. I guess only the ones that would want to get married. Yeah. But if 
if you know they all enjoyed his kiss. They're not all first sisters. They're just maidens of the spear. Yeah. Anyway, they these snake people, the elfin, toss him out. <laughs> yep, they literally pick him up and usher him out. Yep. Uh, and then shortly after he's tossed out, Rand and Moraine step out. Well, not he. He tries to get back in several times. Yeah. He like throws himself. He just tries from different angles. Nothing works. It does not work. And then Rand steps out, and then he's like, "I feel like it's kind of like the Spider-Man point yeah. with, with Rand, Matt, and Moraine. Like mm-hmm. you, you were here." And Moraine kind of grills them about how they learned, and she basically threatens to like verbally thrash the girls. But Rand didn't find out from them, and Matt's smarmy as fuck and is able to talk his way out of it. Oh, no, I totally guessed that Rand was just a better liar than Matt, and Elaine told him. And he came up with a quick thing about books. But it's also very plausible that he could have found it out. He's been doing a lot of reading. Yeah, but I feel like he he snuck away to make out with Elaine for, like, four days, (laughs) so... True. The archway probably let slip at some point. Maybe. At least that's how I interpreted it. I did love, as they're talking, Morin's like, well, if you need any help interpreting (laughs) what it is. And Rand's like, are you going to tell us what you saw? No. (laughs) So it's just like, damn, Rand. (laughs) Like, you think I'm going to tell you what I saw? Are you going to tell me in response? No, you're not. So you're not going to get shit. I don't think we find out explicitly what Moraine and Rand's questions were. That's unfortunate. It is because they probably asked some real interesting ones. Moraine definitely did not get sidetracked and ask 15 different questions that he no. that she got answers to somehow because she's lucky. No. But Moraine also probably, of the three of them, had to be the most careful. They were very forthcoming with questions that pertained to just to Matt. Yeah. And Rand's, all of Rand's questions uh, about anything that he would ask are very personal to him. So they seem more willing to answer personal, like subjectively personal questions. And... A lot of the questions Moraine wants are not related to her as a person. No, they're not. But she she probably had to phrase them in a way that kind of related them to her. Or get out a question that did relate to her and would kind of give her a glance at what she was actually going for. Right. So uh, here we learn that the snake folk had to bring out a translator for Rand and Moraine because they were speaking the old tongue. And Matt's like, oh, they were? And then he's like... Says, like, oh, I didn't need a translator. And I'm like, how did you ask questions? He's like, uh, I didn't really understand what they were saying. Hmm. It's like, dude. It's like, you know, that's fair. But also, you were definitely speaking the old tongue there, Matt. Yeah. Come on. Like, and they know that you were. Get it together. (laughs) You are a bad liar. For someone so lucky, you are a bad liar. Well, it's because he doesn't need to be a good liar. Because he's lucky and people believe him. That's true. Still, He's got a good, like, shit-eating grin. He does. It's why we love him. It is why we love him. So that's all the Matt stuff. There's still, there's still, this was a big, big section. There's still, we still go to Perrin, Egwene, we go back to Elaine, and we still have Tom. Yeah, I, we just did all the Matt stuff at once. Yeah. And so we've got like a Perrin, Fael, Perrin situation. Yep. We get like a little bit of a glimpse at Fael's point of view. A little bit. And, but it's a little Perrin sandwich. Let's, let's do the Perrin and Fael first stuff quick because there's so much more to talk about in the second Perrin section. Yep. So Berylin visits Perrin, flirts with him, and tries to get him to give Rand a message. He's tells like, no, him, you have a servant. Do that. And tells him that he should go to Mayeen. 
and Fail walks in and she just keeps flirting with him without yep. a, without a care. Uh, which is very unfortunate for him because he doesn't have a shirt on. Yes. <laughs> she walks in at the worst possible time. She always seems to. Yes, she does. It's like she knows. And then parents like fuck you, Fahil, go away from me. Yeah, he's like, he's like I'm just going to follow Bear Lane after I'm done with the ways. Yeah, he's real harsh. Yeah. I'm like, I, I get where he's coming from, but my dude, this is the point. The this is the point in the romance novel where the hero breaks up with the girl to try to protect her for, for it some is my stupid least reason. Part. It's, the, it's my least favorite part, too. It's I hate this trope. It's the worst, and it's like a core part of their relationship. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> Um, but she's also like, yeah, 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 you are, whatever. Right. And she still goes and confronts Bear Lane, like, I know he's not going to go after you, but also don't try to go after him again. Right. She knows what Bear Lane's doing. Yeah. Bear Lane is trying to use Perrin to get it power, which I think is where a, a lot of the, like, there's still that undercurrent of slut shaming, right? Like, that's not going away. But a lot of the mistrust of Bear Lane is she's 100% willing to do whatever it takes to be near power. Yeah. And note, notably, Fael didn't seem to have that much of a problem with Berylene when she was going after Rand. It's only now that she's going after right. Perrin that she's like, she I even, don't like you. And she even basically like admits to herself that like, yeah, this is a thing that would happen at home too. Yeah. Right. Like this is maybe a thing. We, we don't really know what what her history is. Seems she, like she was some sort of at least like middle class, like well off daughter of yeah. some guy. But she's basically like, if I were back at home at, at the court of Saldea, I'd do it. I would, you know, flirt and be seductive to get what I want. She's yeah. not mad at Berylaine doing it. She's mad at Berylaine targeting Perrin, who Fail clearly has a stake on. Yeah. No, that's... The, so it's not really slut-shaming as much as just, like, I don't like you. Not from Fayil. Not from Fayil. From other characters, 100%. But Fayil, not so much. Right. To the point... But Fayil does not like Berylaine to the point of pulling a knife on her. And Berylaine does an Aikido flip. <laughs> and, like, tosses Fayil on the ground, and she pulls another knife. Yeah. She's just made of knives. I, I just think it's interesting, though. Like, Fayil is very comfortable in her appeal. Yeah. Like, she knows that she's probably not the prettiest, based on at least Perrin's initial assessment of Fayil's beauty. Yeah. But she's okay with that. She's comfortable in her appeal to Perrin. She knows that Perrin's not actually attracted to Bear Lane. Right. She's just mad that Bear Lane is putting thoughts in Perrin's head. And it's not thoughts of attraction. It's just like, you are trying to take him away from me, even right. though he's not attracted to you. Yep. Definitely. Like, and she knows what Perrin's doing, too. She's not like, oh, he broke my heart. It's he's being dumb. No, I'm yeah. done with this, which yeah. is making the trope a little bit better. It is. Usually the heroine's response is, he doesn't love me. It's like, clearly he does. Right. She's not falling for the, you know. He doesn't love me. Yeah. She's very much like, all right, dude, you guessed up. Yeah. This isn't working for you. Nope. <laughs> I'm stubborn. Yep. But while she's there with a knife pulled on Berylaine, she, uh, Ruark just kind of like appears and is like, no, <laughs> grabs the knife and basically tells Berylaine, do you want a repeat of what happened the first night? <laughs> and he's like, go to your room. <laughs> and meanwhile, he's still got Fayil and like a hold. Yeah. And 
She's like, are you going to send me to my room too? He's like, no, that was Bear Lane's punishment, was being embarrassed in front of you. You, I'm taking your knives. Yep. <laughs> and then he lets her go. Big Aiel dad energy. <laughs> it was. I freaking love Ruark. He is the Aiel Lan. He really is. That there's, is some shit Lan would do. They're sword dads, and I love them. Ruark is a spear dad. But the trope is sword dad. True. Sword you dad. Can't, you can't give Aiel swords. No, nah, he is Spear Dad, and I love him. And I need more of the Ruark and Lan bromance. We get more. Yes! Yeah, I'm like 90% sure we get more. Otherwise, that was probably going to be more fan fiction that I either search out or write. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know. That's not a slash fic, though. No, it's not. It's just it's just friendship. It's yeah. an and It's an and fic. Yeah. I, and fics are good, too. Yeah. I just like slice of life stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway... Behind the scenes, because we, we switch back to Paranoid for this, behind the scenes, Fael goes to Loyal and gets Loyal to promise to take her through the ways before he takes anybody else through the ways, which is just crafty as fuck. Yeah. She tricks him into an Ogirov, and he's yep. just like, he's okay. so conflicted. And Baron's like, dude, he's manipulating her. She's manipulating you. And she, he's like, but just ask if you can come and then it's fine. <laughs> he doesn't understand. He does not get it. He does not want to be part of this lover's quarrel. He doesn't understand. Yeah. We also get more confirmation here that Loyal is supremely shaped like a friend because when the Trollocs attacked, he ran around the Stone of Tear, gathering up children and defending them. Yep. He put them all in a room and he barricaded <laughs> the door until the Trollocs left. And, and he clearly I'm... gets, like, bonked on the head, but he still holds. Yeah. It's very, like, it's a happier ending for hold the door. <laughs> yeah. And Loyal held the door. Loyal is shaped like a friend. And now he's just been bombarded with flowers. Like, these children and their mothers giving Loyal flowers. His room is full of flowers to the point that Perrin can't smell that Fayil is there when he walks in. Right. Which, that's Did, safe. That's a lot of flowers. <laughs> I love it. I, I love, love this. It. It's just so wholesome because it, Loyal is so wholesome. It would have been my favorite moment, except... Except for the Lanny. Except for the Lanny stuff that happens later. Yep. Basically, the, the outcome of this is they're leaving that night for Manetherin, for the Manetherin Waygate, and... Perrin's like, I'm not asking to go with you. I'm just going to follow at a distance so yeah. that technically I'm not breaking Loyal's oath, but I'm still getting there. And it's very petty. All of it's very petty. And Loyal's just like, will you guys just kiss and make up, please? Yeah. And he is stressed out, Dad, in that moment. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, and here we also get uh, Gaul, the stone dog. Mm-hmm. Aiel is going with him. Yeah. He's they like, an Aiel friend. Perrin told me, or Rand told me that you were going yep. into the ways. Rand is very much not making a big deal about like trying to get people to go to help Perrin. Because Perrin's like, did he ask you to come? He's like, no, you just said that you're going. And I'm like, hey, I should go with him. Right. Rand is like, and we get a little bit of this from Perrin's earlier point of view, where Rand seems to be kind of consciously ignoring the two rivers. Yeah. Like he's just intentionally not doing it. He knows it's happening, but that's not what he's supposed to be doing right now. Right. Well, it goes a little bit beyond that because he's basically been straight up told that the shadow is going to use the two rivers against him. And so he's, Kind of trying to, like, cut it off. So that it's not something that can be used against him. Right. Which is kind of what, I guess, Perrin's trying to do with Fael, but failing. On on a dumber way. On a dumber way. Yeah. 
So yeah, that that's the Perrin Fail Perrin stuff. Real quick, it, it's important, but there's so much other important stuff here, like Laneve. Like Laneve. I have waited. I have waited two books for more Laneve content. Yes. The last shit I got was I don't want to give you black to wear <laughs> as a wedding present. Oh, and here's my ring. Yep. And, and now we get a hell of a kiss. In front of other people. In front of other people. Yeah. He is... This would have been... This is why I'm going to be mad at the show now. This is so much right? better. It is. This is so much better. Like, I, I don't mind what they did in the show. I wish they had taken their time to get there. Would no. Have, I wanted this exact scene. This this exact scene doesn't play as well now no. that I know that this... Now that we've seen them sleep together. Right. This kind of does imply that they've been involved a little... Yeah. Because he's willing to kiss. It's not a first kiss. No. Kind of like I contend that Ron and Hermione's kiss at the Battle of Hogwarts was not their first kiss because that would not have been in front of Harry. Similar, similar here. Lan would not have his first kiss with Nynaeve be in front of Egwene and Elaine. No. He is clearly motivated by his feelings right here, but he's still Lan. Yeah, so much so that he is like, let me come with you. Yeah. (laughs) To preface, they're packing. That's basically Yeah, they're going to Chanchico. Egwene's going to the Waste. They're all packing together. Yep. And then the door explodes open (laughs) so hard (laughs) that the girls all, like, start to channel. They, like, grab the source. They're like, what the hell is happening? And they see Lan, and it swings back so hard it hits him in the hand again. Yeah. (laughs) And he just, like, storms over. And they're both still, like, grasping on. To yep. the power, ready to, like, put him in weaves because they don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's so great. And Lan is especially mad because they basically misled him into thinking that they were going back to the tower. She's like, I didn't say I was going back to the tower. He's <laughs> like, you damn well know that you made me think that you were, you stubborn woman. Right. Naive like, is clearly much better at the Aiel half-truth than Egwene is. The Aes half-truth. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I said, I have truth. Then Egwene is. And he's like, how did you learn this so quickly? And he's like, I will go with you, basically. Yeah. Tanchiko is dangerous. Tanchiko is dangerous. I'm going with you. And she's like, break your oath to Moraine then. (laughs) And he's just like, you. She's got him. (laughs) She does. And he knows it. And then he just is like, you stubborn woman. And then... Yep. Picks her up off the ground and kisses her. Yep. It's fantastic. And then storms out. After saying the wonderful quote at the beginning of was our that episode. After? I thought that was before the kiss. No, that was after the kiss. Okay. Because she's like fighting against him too. She's like kicking him in the shins and then finally it's just like, all right, fine. Yep. And the whole time Elaine, because we get this in Elaine's point of view, which I I think is better. I think it is too. I think I, think I would not have liked it as much out of Nynaeve's point of view. I would love it out of lands. Uh, it would be nice out of lands. But Elaine is sit, like standing there look, watching this happen thinking, is that what I looked like with Rand? <laughs> <laughs> like, did I look that ridiculous with, with Rand? <laughs> I missed that. I was way too focused on the fact that we've got an on-page kiss. Yep. Uh, and like Egwene's over there in the corner just like looking away. He's like, I don't want to see this. What's happening? Why is, why is Sword Dad kissing... Herb mom. Herb mom. (laughs) Yeah. And he sets her down and he's just like, 
I love you. Yep. I'm following your orders, but don't think that that's because I'm swayed by the Amerlin. Right. I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> she shows him the letter. She does. She's like, which is very um, Ron Swanson. I can do what I want. <laughs> is Swan uh, I've Swanson? got a permit. <laughs> is, is it Swan, Swan Swanson? <laughs> <laughs> that's a meme we got to make. Swan Swanson, yeah. <laughs> is, who would that make Leslie Nope? Rand. Yeah. Rand is Leslie Nope. Yeah. Matt is Tom. Tom Haverford. Yeah. Not Tom, Tom Drill. Tom let's look at <laughs> Let's talk about Tom Drill. Why is his name Tom Drill? Yeah, basically that's all the Land Eve stuff. I, I, I there, forgot there what actually, happened after that because I was screaming, crying, and throwing up. There is actually so. one more thing with, with Elaine where she's pissed that Rand didn't ask her to come with him or stay with him. It's like you did. You knew he wasn't going to. You didn't right. want him to. But now she, you're mad. She sent him a letter, and then at the end of this whole Lanny thing, she's like, "I gotta send him another, more sternly worded letter." <laughs> she's like, "I poured my heart out to him in a letter." It's like, yes, and he probably keeps it folded up in his breast pocket. Oh, he hasn't opened. But no. once she's, he opens she's it, she's explicitly told him to not open it until she's gone. But once he opens it and reads it, he's gonna reread that thing like 50 million times and he's gonna keep it in his breast pocket. And now he's going to have another more sternly worded one. <laughs> Poor boy's gonna have whiplash. He is. Because she's gonna channel Elaine, uh, uh, Nynaeve. Yeah. Whereas before she was channeling flowery princess Elaine yeah. instead of, you know, queen of thorns Nynaeve. So. Yeah. That's all that stuff. Now let's talk about Tom Drill Marilyn. I'm sorry. I forgot Tom was not just his full name. I legitimately did not remember that. I read this series multiple times and I forgot his name was fucking Tom Drill and I am not about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Tom Drill is awful. Okay. I'm going to raise you with an awful name. Randland. Uh, that's Randland is never mentioned in the books. He came up with it though. The the same man came up with both names. Yeah, but it's never in the books. It's not officially named. Well, I guess it is officially named Randland, but that's just because there's no other name. Yeah, bad at names. Tom Drill Matrim. I like Matrim. That's a good fantasy name. It's not super weird. It's not like really far out. It's like Matthew, but distorted over time. Tom Drill is, like, something drawn from the depths of hell. <laughs> I did. Fuck, even Elmindrida is better than Tom Drill. Elmindrida is worse than Tom Drill. It's bad, but but it screams, like, I want this, I want my young daughter to be fancy and fit in with the nobles. Tom Same Drill. Tom Drill. No. Tom Drill is like, what do I name my son? Tom? Drill? Tom Drill. Yeah. His mother was a drunk. <laughs> that has to be the only explanation. Anyway. I did not give it that much thought. I neither did I until literally just this moment. I blocked out Tom Drill from my memory. So good old Tom Drill is walking around under the guise that he is entertaining people to lift their spirits after the battle. But really, he is interrogating people and sowing more seeds against the High Lords. Yep. Basically... And as we get more information later from Moraine, who's going through his things, the High Lords, there are High Lords that are trying to assassinate Rand. Of course. And Tom is basically making it so that they are no longer in the picture. Yep. He is working the game of houses. 
One of them kills the the other in a very Game of Thrones way by... Making it look like a hunting accident. Boar. Another fucking boar accident. Another fucking boar accident. It's a fantasy novel. Robert Baratheon. Obviously, that is like the number one way to kill someone without it making it look like you killed them. Yeah. Boar hunting accident. Yep. So that one died, and then the one who orchestrated the not-so-accident is sick, and his very angry wife is taking care of him. Yeah, she poisoned him. And she's a high lady of tear, so she's just going to kill him. She absolutely poisoned him and right. is going to continue poisoning him. Yep. And they, they kind of get some, Moraine and Tom get some, like, trading, some jabs back and forth on what they know about each other. Yep, we get some information about her. And Tom knew Elaine as an infant. Which uh, I think it, d- it makes sense. It, like they were lovers. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't think it had ever been confirmed that Tom was so early in the picture with Morgays. No, it was because it they made it clear that he was after Elaine's after Elaine's father died, which would mean that he knows Elaine. Yeah, because that's and it is clear that it's. At least 10 to 15 years ago that they were lovers. Yeah. So there's really only. That's true. It is. This section does confirm that he didn't just like know that Elaine was a baby. But he knew actually her. Like, maybe cared for her. Yeah. He's like, damn it. You got to drag. You got to like dangle Elaine over me. I can't just ignore the fact that this girl who bounced on my knee as a baby is going to be in danger. Right. Uh, Maureen very you much stupid eyes frames it as a choice between. Letting Elaine go and being in danger or not. Yeah. Not as a letting Elaine go or, or not as a going with Elaine or, or staying with Rand, but as a you are putting Elaine in danger by not going. Yep. And then just to make the deal even sweeter and more enticing, she says that she's willing to give him the names of the Red Sisters that gentled Owen. Yep. Without. Because she knows about that, too. Yep. She knows everything. She does. We we also get confirmation here that she's like niece to King Lyman. Yeah, and like cousin. So her to... and Elaine are cousins, basically. Yeah, they're actually. I think not super trivially. She's half. She's was Terengale's half sister. So like an aunt. Yeah. Because Terengale's Elaine's father. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So Elaine's aunt. So she's not really magic mom. So not really magic mom to Elaine. More like magic aunt. Yeah, basically. Which means that she also has a weirdly close connection to Rand. Not as close as Elaine, because there's no blood there. But Rand's mother, Tigraine, was married to Terengil. Yeah. So, interesting stuff. Yep. And she's basically spent the rest of her life kind of avoiding her family name, is what Thomas is basically saying here. Well, because that's kind of what you're supposed to do when you become an Aes Sedai. But... And especially if your last name is Damodred. Yeah. Which kind of has to make you think that she, maybe she's a little nervous around all the Aeol. Because the Aeol crossed the waste to get at King Lyman when he cut down Avendor Odera. History. <laughs> sure. I, I don't know how much of that we've learned about yet, but the Aeol have a grudge against the Kyrianan, and specifically against the House of Damodred. It's interesting, then, that they were willing to help Elaine sneak around and make out with Rand, since she's Kyrian. They may not know that she's Terengale's daughter. The they Aeol might. No. The, but they know she's Kyrianan, and the, she, the daughter heir. Of Andor. Andor. Not Kyrian. Oh, okay. Although yeah. she does have a claim to the Kyrianan throne through... Her father. Okay. I got confused there. It's easy to. There's too. too many people. There's a lot of royal court 
shenanigans happening. And I really only ba- vaguely understand that. We haven't engaged with it too much yet. And uh, why would I have a, an understanding of that when Lanny Eve is kissing on Paige? <laughs> yeah, true. And, and Loyal is getting so many flowers. Loyal deserves all the flowers. He does. This is not the first time he's gotten flowers either. It isn't. Pretty little Ogier woman gave yeah. him a flower and told him he has a nice voice. Gotta love the Ogier. I love them. Speaking of things that are not Ogier, we have one last section with a couple different viewpoints. We have technically have two. So yeah, two viewpoints. Yeah. Min and Sarah, who is not that important, uh, is really just foreshadowing. Yeah. Uh, we learn what Min's been up to in the tower. Yep, she got a makeover. Big knows, time. Big time, knows how to do makeup and stuff now. Yeah, Liana was like, you're going to learn how to do this. You're going to be a, a lady, damn it, so yep. that nobody recognizes you. Yep, so she got really good at makeup and stuff, and she's just like, I don't mind the dress, it's just the makeup. And the hair. And the hair. She doesn't like the, the hair or the makeup, but she doesn't mind the dress. Yeah, she's like, it's kind of pretty, actually. It's grown on me. Yeah. She... Um, Runs into Gawain and Galad, and Gawain almost blows her cover. On purpose. They have this thing going back and forth, which I appreciate. But they've got this thing going back and forth, because they're teasing back and forth in this entire section. Yeah. In a friendly way, which is nice. Yeah, I enjoy it. It's very, like, yeah, it's, like, antagonistic, but, like, friend-antagonistic. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Gawain is interested in knowing where his sister is, and Egwene. Yep. Same as before. Yeah. He just wants to know. Yep. Uh, the the biggest news here is with Galad, who the White Cloaks seem to be trying to recruit. And he seems to be for it, which is, I knew I didn't trust Damn this guy. Damn it, Galad. I knew I didn't trust this guy. How do, I knew he was going to join the White Cloaks. <laughs> He's the type. He kind of is. He is so much to the, I do what's right no matter what. Of course he'd join the White Cloaks. Right. Like, of course he does. At least, at least for Galad... He strikes me more as the Jeffrem Bornhold type of white cloak than the Dane Bornhold or the Bayar type. Yeah, but like, or like he wants he wants to do the right thing because it's the right thing. He doesn't want to do the he doesn't want to do the wrong thing in service of the right thing. Yeah, but like he's just going to be a hand he's just going to be one good white cloak in a s- system that's fucked. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a systemic problem inside the white cloaks. Yes. Absolutely. Hmm. <laughs> I I kind of wonder if that's actually supposed to be an out. I, it, it seems a little on the nose for it to not be, but I don't but like. It's also, it was also the nineties. Nineties. So that wasn't. So I don't know. That wasn't a thought that a white man in the nineties would have been having. Uh, it definitely is, just not as many white men. Maybe my father had those thoughts that's in the nineties. Tr- that's true, but we don't know Robert. We don't Jordan, know him. So he's very much a. What he's doing with Rand, I think, lends itself to that point of, like, you know, there are systemic problems and people who want to do the right thing are not immune to those problems. And oftentimes the people who find themselves in those organizations are not people who want to do the right thing. Yeah. Because Rand is, like, reforming the nobility in tier by basically saying... Like that meme you showed me. Yeah. You can't rape what? (laughs) It's like, just for the... Just for the common people, right? Right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I wouldn't surprise me if this was supposed to actually be that kind of allegory. It, it, it may not is. be. It may not be, but it at least 
with a modern with a modern lens, it's definitely yeah. hitting on the nose. Yeah. Which is why I've now I've just written Galad off. Like you know that these guys are bad, and you're still joining them anyway. Whatever you're done. Yeah, definitely. I have no sympathy for you. <laughs> yeah. The one interesting thing with that though is that Eamon Valda is directly trying to recruit him. Yeah. His his book he got he they gave him a book that was written by the guy who founded the the White Cloaks. The Way of the Light. Yeah. Which like. Doesn't seem like, from what Galad is saying about it, doesn't seem like the ideas in it are that bad. But it, Colin, like, walks up very, and is like, Min, read this, tell him it's crazy. Yeah. It, it strikes me as very Bible-esque. Yeah. Or like, you know, a lot of the ideas in the Bible aren't that bad. I don't like Christianity, though. Nope. <laughs> the way of the light might not be that bad. I don't like the white cloaks, though. Yep. And that's actually probably the allegory that was it could being, be. that's probably what robert jordan was going after but you know modern lens there's two things it could be a commentary on now yup yup that is most of the min stuff well i guess she goes to she goes to talk to swan well because she goes to talk to swan because she sees a vision around logan mm-hmm. yeah. who's still walking around the tower just being depressed and and colin's kind of like just put him out of his misery. Why are you keeping him alive? And yep. Galad's just like, he doesn't deserve it or something to that effect. And I'm just like, shut up, Galad. I don't. <laughs> Galad would, Galad literally, like, legitimately thinks that it would be wrong to let Logan kill himself, though. He does, but I he also kind right. of, I kind of, it's like, dude, like, he's clearly depressed and there's, n- like, you need to either find a way to have him bounce back from that. And get him some mental health help or, like, stop treating him like a prisoner. Like, well, he is a prisoner. But, like, also, you know, he's very depressed. Get him some get him yeah. some mental health help. Yeah. And he is, is a prisoner and should be a prisoner. He led armies to yeah. overthrow people. But, but, yes, also, he's having mega sad boy hours and yeah. he deserves help for those. Yeah. Not just whatever they're doing not just somebody watching over him at all times so that he doesn't suicide yeah so but min sees a vision of him uh with a halo of gold and blue and surrounded basically by glory and power and so she's like gotta go to see swan and just like walks in and they're like what the fuck and has a little bit of they have a little bit of an argument yeah and uh and then they stage an argument because someone else knocks yep and Swan gets two pieces of information. Mazram Time escaped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if that was a Black Asha plot. Probably. Uh, she orders Mazram Time to be gentled as soon as he ca- he's captured, regardless yep. of the law. Yeah. Which, bold move, Swan. I mean, she is the law, isn't she? Uh, in a sense. There, there are real checks and balances against the Amberlin seat. Yes, but I mean, I, it's not like in the show when they gentled Logan without going... That wasn't an issued order from the yeah. Amberlin seat. That was a decision that would, they made on the spot. I would maybe argue that in the show, like drawing a comparison between Mazum Time and Logan, in the show, gentling Logan was just was more justified than gentling Mazum Time is. Logan was an active threat. That is true. Swan sees Mazum Time as an active threat, though. They're like, I don't want yeah. him to escape again because he what is look what he's doing. Right. So it's it's kind of in the self-defense thing, it, self-defense can also encompass long-term problems that you're 
that your brain is like, I'm trying to prevent this from happening again. Yeah. It's self-defense. Not just, oh, he literally just stabbed me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stab him back. It's he's been stabbing me every day for a year and a half. Right. And he hasn't done it today, so I'm going to do it first. Right. The other bit of news that Swan gets is that Rand has Calendar. And so she's like, we're calling a meeting. She's like, oh, thank God I can just openly help him now. Right. He's the dragon. I can proclaim him as the dragon. Yeah. And Min's like, can I go now? (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, no, you can't. We also learn that the blight has retreated a little bit, which is interesting. Yep. I'm wondering if that's as a result of Rand's kind of successive victories. Yeah, I don't know. Because uh, he's... He's clearly not... He's like, he's he's scoring good hits, but he's still Like, is of... him killing Forsaken, moving it back, because it's weakening the Dark One if he doesn't have as many, fo- like, Could corporeal be. followers? Or is it just Rand is in the world as the dragon? And so, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, Rand is so strongly Tabirin that he affects things in crazy ways. Maybe the Blade retreating is part of that. Maybe. I'm kind of hoping that it retru- retreats enough that Land gets his home back. <laughs> Malkir is dead. He can bring it back. That's true. It can be a found family kind of thing. Obviously, him and him and Nynaeve get just, married. Just have a bunch of babies. And have a bunch of babies. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, you'll like what happens with, with Malkir, actually. Yes. Quite a bit. Anyway, we get one last quick little point of view, which is Sarah who was the novice that kind of encountered Min when she first came back to the tower. And saw Min talking with Gawain, and so Swan sent her to a farm. Yeah. And then some Aes Sedai shows up, tortures her. Basically. And then kills her. Yeah. Looking for information on Min, basically. And that's where we end. That is where we end. Which is an interesting place to end a section. I kind of like it. It's it's a final note for a section. It's not a cliffhanger, but like it's a, like okay, this is done. It's the yeah. end of an episode. Yeah. Which we're at the end of our episode. Let's do some recurring segments. First, I have thoughts about who the Aes Sedai is. Ooh, yes. I'm thinking either the obvious answer, which is Leandrin. She would have to or, be a member of the Black or Aja or one of the Black Aja because yeah. she killed her. Right. Or someone from the tower that has not yet revealed themselves to be the Black Aja. Do you think Elida could be Black Aja? I thought so at first, but that was... I didn't actually gather that the girl died. Ah. Because it was too flowerly written. Yeah. And I was listening to the audiobook on two times speed, so... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, I I don't know. It seems... it, It probably is someone from the tower... Just because they're like, they would know that Min's there. And like, how would Leandrin know? Right. Unless there's a Black Aja in the tower that has like some dream ring too and is able to talk to Leandrin through the world of dreams. Because like, how would, like, just how would they know? Yeah. Very fair. But yes, recurring segments. Yeah. Auras. We we got a new one. We got a new aura and we got the visions. Yes. We did get a bunch of visions from... Egwene that we did not talk about, so I will just recap them here. We've got Rand as a giant, and then in chains, and then he is putting up a wall, I think, between him and Egwene and Elaine. I think that's what it was. It was like building a wall or something. Yeah. Um, there's Aiel fighting, 
Matt was fighting with a Sean Chan that was trying to leash him or put a collar around his neck Okay. in some way. Uh, Perrin was a wolf fighting with a man with a changing face. Galad is putting on his own shroud, which is... I'm thinking about it now. That's probably the white cloak. Literally a white cloak. Literally a white cloak. Yeah. Egwene thinks it's a shroud. No, he's probably turning into a white cloak. Gawain is filled with pain and hatred. And then she sees her mom crying, which, I mean, her mom is in the two rivers and the white cloaks are there. So, yeah, I'd cry too. Yeah, fair. We also get Matt's stuff. That's not really... It's prophecy. It's prophecy, but that's not the... It's weird prophetic auras and weird dreams. Weird question. Weird answers don't count. Yeah, weird answers don't count. Okay. That's fair. I think they do count. I mean, but so, like, fair. he's going to Rodian. That's... The other three. He's going to marry the daughter of the Nine Moons. That, I feel like, does count. Die and live again as part of what once was. Yeah, I don't really. And know. the last one was give up half the light of the world to save the world. I don't really know what that one's supposed to mean. The other two are kind of, like, yeah, kind of like parents, wolf aura. Yeah. Things. Things. Yeah. So... Okay, that's uh, any any takes on the Logan vision? I don't know. What could I mean? Any ideas like Logan's gentled, right? Like what glory could come to him? Yeah, I have no idea. Okay, no thoughts. Fair. Other than I guess maybe he won't be super depressed forever. Maybe not. But although glory does not exclude sad boy hours, it does not. But I don't know. It seemed like happy glory. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Blue and gold just are happy vibes. Sure. The big one for this section, ship updates. Laneve. Laneve. And I guess apparently Perrin and Berlin. Yeah. Not really a ship. Not really a ship, but apparently she's going after him. Yeah. It's not, I don't ship it. But it is a ship. But it is a ship that exists. Is this like full ship level or dinghy or below dinghy? Um, I think. It's like Gawain's still on the dinghy. Gawain's still on the dinghy. He doesn't have a partner in said dinghy. I just want him to have a ship. And so he's rowing his dinghy out to a ship at some point. Okay. So I feel like this would be just a straight up... There's room for that ship to exist. Egwene has given up Rand. Yes. And if Glaude is a white cloak, then he can't have women, I think. So... I think that is how it works. I don't know. I just want Gawain to have a girl. I just want him to get laid. That's all I'm really... (sighs) It makes me so nervous because <laughs> I like him and it makes it so, you make it sound like I'm not going to like him anymore. I think, I think he'll still like him, but he, he makes some choices. They're not all good. I mean, same can be said about Matt, Rand, and Perrin, and I still love them. That's true. You're not wrong. I mean, Matt literally had an evil dagger for two books. He did. So. He did indeed. Yeah. You can recover from stuff like that. You can. And I think he does. Favorite moment? I think hearing about Loyal being a hero. Yeah. I think it's better that we heard about it and didn't see it, although I would have loved to see it. I th- I think hearing about it and seeing all the flowers is better. Yeah. Because Loyal, Loyal doesn't do it for attention. No, which makes he the attention it, so much better. He does it because he wants to help. Yeah, no, he did it because he's like, the children needed help. He's like, I'm yeah. not a hero. And I think that's like, if we saw him being a hero... It would have been amazing, too. I want to see it in the show. Yes. I liked reading about it having after the fact better. 
because he's just like blushing that he's like yeah. not a hero. And yeah, I think to me in that moment, the favorite thing of that whole thing is more the adoration that he and yeah acknowledgement that he gets after loyal got appreciated as he should always be he should always be appreciated loyal deserves all the flowers yes and books and books flowers and books flowers and books honestly same yeah i i want and deserve flowers and books yeah that's fair do i even need to ask you what your favorite moment is I should hope that you would know what my favorite moment is. It's Matt going through the door. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not the Lanny Eve kiss. No, definitely not, not the Lanny Eve that's kiss. That's your least favorite moment. Please, no more of that. <laughs> no more. Actually, I think if I had to pick a favorite moment out of the moment, it's his speech before he dips and is like, bye. Oh, yeah. The man has a way with words. He really does. He really does. And Robert Jordan's really good at just hitting you with those devastating lines. That one's not so devastating, though. That one's just like, yes, Lan. Because he's acknowledged it. And now they've just got to figure out how to be together. Yeah. I think we're... mm, Are we like 33% of the way in? I feel like this is like a a 33% of the way in pinch point. Some of the stuff in the books does blend together. We're reaching... So I have pretty good... Uh, like distinct memories of what happens in four and five and most of six. When we get to the slog, it kind of blends together. It's okay. I'm going to it's, once once the once it's done, I will put probably all of the long ranging ships on a chart and figure out what their pinch points and moments were. Just because okay. I like analyzing stories that way. Yeah. Like I like when I read a romance book, I'm like, oh yeah, that was probably like the halfway point. That was the it's midpoint. Gonna, that was like the pin. That was a pinch point. It's gonna get messy a little bit. Like bigger moments and i feel like this was a big moment the yeah yeah okay yeah well that was all of it a lot of stuff packed into these chapters yes i i I don't think it slows down from here i think it stays at about the same level all right uh we've got like lots of different things going on we've got an a plot a b plot and a c plot now yep we've got people where people are separating yeah we don't know where Rand's going but probably roydian probably um so stuff is separating. There's a lot more room for lots of different things to We've happen. We've got some unlikely pairings that are going to happen. We do. Elaine and Nynaeve. Unlikely pairing. Plus Tom. That is an unlikely trio. I don't know if Tom's going with them. Yeah, Tom's going to end up going. Ooh, yeah, he definitely... I think he does. I don't remember. He's going to end up going. I honestly don't remember. He's going to end up going. He's going to feel... He's going to feel, feel guilty. guilty if he doesn't go, and then he's going to want to know about Owen, and yeah, he's going to go. Okay. And so that's a very unlikely trio. Yeah. And then... That's the unlikeliest of the trios. And then we've got Egwene and Rand, or Egwene and Avienda, which is not a weird... No. But throw Rand in the mix. It's a little... And Matt. And Matt. And Moraine. And Moraine. Yeah, that's a... It's a weird group, I guess. If there were pairs in that, it wouldn't be weird, but all of them together is weird. Okay. And then we have Loyal, Perrin, and Fael, which is not weird at all. No, not weird at all. That's like, yeah. Well, Gaul, too. Yeah. Which Gaul isn't weird by virtue of how he can't be weird because he's so new. And also because him and Perrin had a thing in the last book. Yes. So True. it does it like him and Perrin don't not make sense as a pairing. And obviously him and Fael make sense as a pairing. And then, yeah. you know, him and Loyal. And I guess if anything, Fael and, pa- and Loyal would have been weird if Perrin didn't go with. <laughs> yeah, that would have been. Yeah. Although he likes Fael. He does. Yeah. We'll find out eventually. Maybe in the next section. Maybe not. Who knows? Who knows? We will in like a week. In like a week, yeah. (laughs) Or two weeks, because our next episode is in two weeks. Yes. This was chapters 11 through 17 of The Shadow Rising. Two weeks, we're doing chapters 18 through 22. Yep. 
Bye. Bye.